I was never yeah, going to let did. that happen again. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so, okay. So, so announcements. What announcements. do we got? Um, I don't know. Uh, rate us on iTunes, please. Rate us on iTunes. That's it. That's what I got. Yeah, and go to our store. Um, make donations uh, to home to support us. <laughs> Give us money. Support people who do things to make this sound much better than it would be otherwise, and to schedule interviews and get all these cool guests um, at homepodcast.org. I have a few announcements if you don't. Don't you have some things coming up? Oh, my brain is just toast. So So don't do it today. Yeah. So uh, I have a bunch of events coming up. They're all on my website. I'll be in Austin in late November. I will be doing um, workshops here in Boston. I have retreats that will be announced um, for early next year in 2017. So just keep an eye out on that. Awesome. How are you? Let's just let's just uh, roll our shoulders, take a little shake. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I um my I'm really anxious to get off this call because we just talked to Christy, which we'll introduce in a minute for an hour and forty minutes. And my daughter is in the other room watching shows, and I'm leaving She's in like parenting two herself. hours. She's parenting herself, but I'm leaving in two hours. Um, well, she's being taken by her dad in two hours because I'm leaving tomorrow morning early, early to go to California. So I'm on the road again. And um, yeah, so I'm good, but I'm anxious to squeeze my girl until I won't see her for another week. I get it. Okay. Um, cool. Then let's just get right into the introduction. Okay. <laughs> There's that. Is that clear enough? I was like, I love this. I uh, love shut everybody. The fuck but I don't up, want to Holly. I just want to get to what we're doing. Okay. Whatever, you're sick and you don't feel good at it either. No, I don't feel good. I don't feel good at all. Okay. All right. So we did what? We introduced, introduced, we interviewed Christy <laughs> Coulter. Uh, and Christy is our amazing writer friend who uh, is the author of the Angeli Vaz. <laughs> An- Anjali. Like Angelina Jolie all at once. Anjali. Yeah. Um, essay that was published on Medium, um, I think it was a couple of months ago now, that just went bananas and got published in Slate and um, courts. a bunch of other courts, a bunch of other places, and there were op-ed pieces in response to it. And she finally got this big recognition, which is amazing because she is a fantastic writer and it eventually led to uh, a book deal with a very large publishing uh, house that she had coveted for a long time and her book's coming out in 2018. So yeah, Christy is is great and funny and fun and so smart and we just talked for 
Uh, a long what? time. <laughs> a lot, for a long time. She told us about her story. We got to hear all the juicy details about what went, you know, what was going on with that essay and how she got her book deal. And so for the writerly people out there too, this is a fun one. Yeah, right. it was, it was, you guys got, I think it was really interesting to get into the, um, the, her talking about her writing, right? Her creativity mm-hmm. and her writing and how that died and came back to life and what it's like to get, you know, published, uh, or a book deal at age 46 when you thought you'd be, you know, like your time had passed. Um, yeah. and oh, it's, it. you know, it's, it's full of good stuff. Um, and it also, I love the, like the part, like her work is, Whenever Christy writes something, I'm always fist pumping because she's saying mm-hmm. the things that are not necessarily the things that we are supposed to say. She's she doesn't write like a lady, you know. She actually writes and she'll say stuff like she wrote this one post about being, and she just said two things I love: being judgmental and yoga. And and it was like, I mean, I was like, yes, quietly, <laughs> me too. <laughs> but we're not supposed to do those things. Uh, so I just, I love what she, I love, I love how she just kind of has this unapologetic tone and she says, you know, like she had her words cut, um, and that they're sometimes really snarky, um, but in the best way. And I just She's like love a female it. Augustine Burroughs. Yes, she is. And then, and the other part that I love about it too is that because she's like a female Augustine Burroughs, we're like, oh my God, Augustine Burroughs. He's like, you know, but like with her, like, like a lot of women don't. Do do not accept that uh, character. Like character. Uh, nope. What's the word? Help me out. Help me Archetype. out. <laughs> character. Character. Personality. That they don't accept that in other women. We judge yeah. other women for being angry and snarky and bitchy and whatnot. Now I like. And the thing is, I like. I am a. I do believe. Like I am a spiritual teacher, and I do believe in all of these like aspirations to not judge and to like. Um, I don't know. I mean, just like to to be more you know jesus buddha like but the reality of it is that this is like this is how we are and we get to be this way just as much as men get to be that way and so i love it because i when i was reading the comments on that viral post i got i saw a lot of stuff that was like um that was just like you know she shouldn't she sounds mad she sounds Mm -hmm. bitchy or whatever the hell it is and i just think it's always really funny when we judge other women for being what we actually are ourselves sometimes so you know anyway yeah so here is christy hey christy hello ladies hey 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 girl hey girl Finally, we meet on the phone at once. I know. All three of us. I Wait, know. Have, you guys, have you guys talked before? No. No. Okay. Christy no. and I? No. You guys have, though. You've talked on the phone. No, we haven't. No. Really? We have each other's numbers. We've texted yeah, a we've good text- amount. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we've ne- I've never heard well, your close. voice. Yeah, I've heard your yeah. voice in other interviews, but I've never had yeah. your voice and my voice on the same line. So yeah. it's pretty it is great. It's pretty exciting. I'm it internet is. friends unite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm so excited that you're doing this. Um, and I also, and partly because of what we're titling it. Um, did Laura tell you what we're calling it? No. <laughs> the Enjoli oh, virus? We're calling it Enjoli virus. Oh, yes. Yes. I love that. She did tell me. She told me. That's pretty. I wish I thought of that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And that was awful. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. No, I'm really excited. So where do you want to start, Laura? Because, I mean, um, we should probably take it slow um, and um, 
do a little back. Yeah. 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 So before we get to the Injoli virus, Mm -hmm. um, we wanted to talk just hear you know, your story, um, about your drinking story Mm -hmm. and as much other stuff as you want to include, um, leading up to, I want to get to the part where you wrote, where you, that you wrote about in the sobriety otter. Yeah. Like the kitchen floor sitting on the, the kitchen floor mm-hmm. that night. I want to get to that part. Um, okay. So, so take, take us there. Yeah. Well, so I, um, I started drinking when I was like 16 probably. And I was actually one of those really, really super controlled good girl teenagers for a long time who thought, you know, one sip of beer would send me, I don't know, spinning into a den of iniquity or something. So I was very, very careful and paranoid. And then I finally had, I think my first drink was probably a Bartles and James wine cooler. And I was like, Ooh, that's delicious. (laughs) And, um, and and really, and kind of just kept drinking after that. Like I was like, Oh, I don't know what I was so worried about. This is fun. I can talk to boys now. This is great. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and I, I, when I look back, I think I probably was always a problematic drinker. Um, but it wasn't like, you know, I had my first drink and like immediately like dropped out of school or something. Like I was very controlled yeah. and the way that I would be for really the most of my drinking career, like keeping up a, a good front. So I, I would say that my kind of really, I mean, it was always problematic drinking, but it really started to become an issue in my late thirties um, along with like, I think just a growing amount of, of job stress was kind of the catalyst that set me spinning. Yeah. Why, did, um, why would you say it was problematic though? Well, it, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I read drinking a love story when I was 25 or 26. Mm-hmm. And I remember just feeling this chill go down my spine, even though I didn't drink that much at the time because everything she described about, um, you know, watching the level of the bottle go down at a dinner party and things like that and being jealous that other people were, you know, they had more. That was all me. And I thought, oh, shit, you know, this is this is bad. Like, I, th- she is telling my story. And then I decided to ignore that you know, for yeah. another 10 years. Like, la, 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 la. Um, it, it was problematic because I couldn't stop I, I just needed it too much. I couldn't stop um, thinking about it. I couldn't stop worrying about drinking. Mm. And and I knew somehow, I mean, I wasn't having like obvious negative consequences. You know, I didn't, I never had a DUI, which by like absolute just luck, mm-hmm. um, you know, I didn't have marital problems. Like none of that happened, but I just felt like I was stuck in something that I wanted to say. I kind of knew on some gut bodily level that I needed to say no to it and I couldn't. And so every day I would like make and break the same promise to myself. And it got to the point that I was worrying so much about drinking that I think it actually, that became like an activity for me, you know, was to every day it's like you go to work, you cook food you oh worry about your drinking it's the thing Um, you're like organizing time around yeah 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 and um and and the more that went on the more I dug myself into this hole of thinking well I guess this is just how it is um you know thinking that that was going to be my life and that's what really started to scare me was thinking that I couldn't change Mm -hmm. because if, if you can't change or this is what I thought at the time 
if you can't change this little habit, um, which is how I, I thought of my drinking, then how can you change anything? Mm. Now I understand that, you know, drinking is, it's addictive. <laughs> and um, and it's not such a small thing to, to change a habit like that. But at the time I thought of it almost as though it were like, well, if you can't stop, I don't know, eating meat, how can you stop doing anything? You know? Yeah, um, I get it. Yeah, like yeah. Tremor of like a crack in your like self-control or something. Yeah. And, and, and my life in a lot of ways had turned out, I mean, I was in a place where I had a, you know, a really high powered job. I was making kind of a stupid amount of money, um, you know, happy marriage, traveling all over the world. Like a lot of stuff looked really good. And a lot of stuff actually was good, mm-hmm. but I am, um, it also wasn't quite the life I had envisioned for myself. I had not written in probably 10 years at that point. Um, yeah. So work. you, let's talk about that. You, yeah. <laughs> you went, uh, you like got an MFA. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. And then you I were did. like, huh? Okay. I'm going to yeah. write. Yeah, I, I got an MFA. I, I had been writing since I was I started reading when I was two. Um, I started writing, I think, when I was five. I mean, it was like from the I mean, as close as anyone's come to probably, you know, being born to, yeah. to write like that was that was me. And I wrote stories and plays my whole um, childhood. I was really into writing murder mysteries when I was a, a little kid, like like a six and seven year old. And and looking back, I think I was reflecting like problems in my home life with these murder mysteries. And I'm kind of amazed that nobody was like, huh, <laughs> you know, why does she sound familiar? This is interesting. You know, it was the 70s. I guess they were like, oh, she's getting it out this way. So um, <laughs> But I look back and I'm like, that's weird. I was always like having people stabbed to death with jelly knives, <laughs> which I don't even know. That's, like, is that even possible? What is a jelly knife? Anyway? I don't, that I don't. was what I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a spreader, basically. <laughs> but, um, but it was a big murder weapon, of course, for me. <laughs> so, I, and I wrote all through high school and I won a lot of prizes and I won grants. And, and I went straight from undergrad to MFA, which, you know, is a little unusual. And um, probably because it's not really advisable <laughs> if you don't have anything to write about yet. And, um, and was kind of a, you know, like a little bit of a, a prodigy. And then I sort of drifted away partly because, you know, I needed to earn a living. And I didn't have the luxury of just thinking about nothing but writing anymore. And then I stopped, I think I, I just was like, it's really hard to write, as you may know. And it was really, and I stopped having like this immediate success. And I didn't like that because I really wanted whatever I did to be easy and to get a lot of recognition for it, a lot of money and not to have to, you know, get rejected or anything like that. So I just didn't really have confidence in myself. And then I realized I was really good at corporate life. Um, you know, like really good at getting things done at managing. And, um, you know, I'm such a good girl in that female way. Like I will be the one who gets all the stuff done. Like, yep. mm-hmm. um, and so that got rewarded and, and there was a lot of it that was pretty awesome too. And so before I knew it, I was, you know, had like moved from Michigan to Seattle to work in this big corporate job and it was going well. And I found that I had these other talents, you know, for someone who had been obsessed with writing her whole life, it was kind of a, a kick to be like, oh, there's actually other things I can do that the world values. And before I knew it, uh, you know, I was always saying, oh, I'm going to get back to it. I'm going to get back to it. But, you know, at the point that my drinking, the last few years of my drinking, I was 
working myself to death. I was worried about work every minute I wasn't at work or worried about my drinking. Um, and I really thought, well, I that part of myself, I remember saying to my husband at one point, maybe I was that was just how I looked for approval as a child. Maybe I never was a writer. And I just want, yeah, I mean, that's, I really was like, that must have just been how I wanted to try to get people to love me. And, um, and that was the way I picked, you know, as though I picked tap dancing or something, you know, and, and it was, um, and I really thought that I think I convinced myself of that. And it wasn't until I'd been sober, probably about a year that I started kind of creeping back to it. And, and it now it just feels like, I don't know. I, I still haven't made sense of the the whole path of it. But yeah, I did. I, did you, I, did you, because yeah. I totally get this. And, and mm-hmm. it, did you have, and it's crazy, like a decade flies by and you haven't yeah. written anything and it's like gets further and further away or whatever. Did you have like a heartbreak about it or were you just kind of like that part of you wasn't like beating? I think I was so, I did have a heartbreak about it. It was pretty muted because I think I just didn't have the sense that I could do anything about it, uh-huh. which seems so strange now, but I just thought, well, that's, that's dead. And, um, you know, it's too bad that it drifted away, but I better find other ways to make myself valuable. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of tried to let it go, but I would still have that thing. Like when I would read a great book, you know, I mean, I still get this when I read a great book, I get jealous. <laughs> Oh yeah, of the, right. Of the writer, if it's a book that I think I would have enjoyed writing, I mean, it's not like like when I read A Little Life, I thought that it was great, but I wasn't remotely jealous. Oh um, I would not have wanted the experience of writing that book. No. Um, but right? you know, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. And and I heard her actually on a podcast recently, and she was so awesome and seemed like just such a great kind of fairly cheerful person. And I was like, wow, <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you have it. very big recesses in your brain where you go into yeah. Yeah, and she was, wrote it. She wrote it in eighteen months. In like she shut wrote, up. I know, right? I know. It made me. I was like I, that. I was literally. I was running while I was reading. And I was like, "Shut the fuck up, um, Hanya, <laughs> Hanya, <laughs> whatever, Hanya, whatever." Special. I was so. She wrote it every night and then all day on the weekends. And I think she was working a four day work week. Oh and God. I just thought, God. To live in that space for 18 months. I mean, I had a hard time reading the damn thing. It was so upsetting. Um, oh, very, but, very hard. Yeah, yeah. It was like, I know that we're taking a detour, but I love it. I know. I, I like, love Anya. <laughs> no, but this is like, it's so, that book, man, I could, I, um, everyone else was like reading it while I was reading it. Cause yeah, I, anyone that was around me, I just, I, I think I was reading it. It was like during maybe the spring and summer. And, mm-hmm. The people that were, I don't know what I was doing, but everyone around me was like, can you stop? Oh, I was at the beach. Yeah, it's a great beach. Yeah. Break. And yeah. I would just be like, oh, <laughs> God, come on. No. I know. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? Anyway, read a little yeah. life, you guys, if you want to. Um, yeah, go really down. Be sad their- a long time. Rabbit <laughs> hole. Okay. I mean, it, yeah. And, but, but, but so I was. I would feel the sorrow when I would read something really great. And it was like a bone deep kind of sorrow that I just couldn't even, I just couldn't even really look at. And and I think I was just convinced somehow that that had been that the first, you know, 20 something years of my life had been some kind of fluke and that I had to figure out um, what, you know, what I was going to be or do. And then at some point I just thought, 
well, this is it. You better just keep trying to climb the ladder and um, maybe someday you'll get back to, and then I would call it like something creative. And and I can't <laughs> paint. I can't really dance. I mean, like if it was going to be anything, it would be writing. It's like, I'm not suddenly going to become a filmmaker or something, although that would <laughs> yeah. be, I would love that. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I just shut it down, I guess. Yeah. 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 I should not have done that. <laughs> really should not have done that so when you okay okay so so the end what's what did the end of your drinking look like like where you know what was starting to happen to you I was starting to have um times when I would I felt like I would get drunk much faster than I used to Mm um I don't know if my it's like your I've heard your tolerance can go up 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 and then it can just plummet um I was in a profession that was really boozy and involved a lot of like socializing with booze. Mm -hmm. And I would, um, so I felt like even at work, I kind of couldn't escape it. And I would, I had a couple of nights, I talk about this a little bit in my, my otter essay, (laughs) the otter Mm -hmm. essay, um, where I just, I was in, you know, foreign cities, well, New York and, and other foreign cities. New York's a little foreign to me. And I was just feeling like um, I couldn't stop crying. I was in a hotel room after like a long boozy dinner. And of course, I would come back and, and you know, hit the mini bar because um, you can't just stop the end of the night. And and I just had this black, I just felt this black hole inside me, um, just like I couldn't see any future for myself. And it's not like I was suicidal or anything. I just, I literally couldn't envision anything for myself. And yeah. and it was partly the drunkenness in the moment. You know, you can't, you're not thinking clearly, obviously. It wasn't like I felt that hopeless during the, my sober times during the day. Um, but I was just so empty. And I really didn't think I could change. And And I thought, and I was, of course, lying to my therapist about it and, you know, lying to anyone I I could really, um, yeah. just for fun. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. you don't even really, I know, I get it. Yeah. I get, and yeah, I get that feeling of just not really envisioning anything for yourself. Like, is this yeah. it? Is this yep. it? Yep. That's what it was like. And especially because I was living this life that, you know, people would say, oh, you're living the dream or you live a charmed life just because I had a, you know, a, a glamorous job and, and all this stuff. And I just remember thinking when they would say that, like they, they didn't mean anything by it, but it would enrage me secretly because I thought you have no idea how bad my life is. Yeah. And just because I make it look good for you. Um, and, and so at some point I realized, and, and this is, you know, getting toward like what's in that essay too, that I had to stop wanting to stop drinking. Like I kept doing all this stuff to make myself not, not want to drink anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I real, and when I tried moderating, of course, you know, with the usual results, um, right. that it was a huge amount of work. It was no fun at all. And then I would fail. And, you know, one day, I guess I just, I'd had a couple of stints where I would go a night or two without a drink and it seemed like a huge deal. And then I would think, okay, I've proven I can do it. And then I go back to my old habits and, and my husband was out of town for the week. And I somehow just, I woke up that morning and I had just a horrible headache from, you know, what didn't seem like it should have been that much wine the night before. And I just was like, I give, I just gave up. And, and I thought, this is it. I'm just not. To, and I think at the time it was like, tonight, 
I will not do this. And um, it was the hardest day of my life, just um, getting through that day. And it was a Saturday. All I did was like stuff I liked all that day. I had lunch with my friend. I think I went to a movie, you know, it wasn't like I was suffering, um, but I was just utterly terrified and it got to be around, yeah, nine o'clock that night, which is usually when I would have a, have a drink. Um, and I just, I, I just didn't know what to do. And I was faced with the fact that here I was someone who had all these sort of inner and outer resources. Mm-hmm. And this is what was bringing me to my knees that I wanted to drink a certain liquid Isn't that weird? It was so weird. If you've been like raised or or have come up in the world thinking, you know, that you're empowered and you can do things, um, that is like a really humbling moment. Yes. That I did not care for, frankly. (laughs) And and I thought, well, what am I gonna do? And I did. I just sort of I just sort of knelt down or sort of sat down on my haunches on my kitchen floor. And I just said, you're just going to sit here. And and it was just so awesome. You know, my, my dogs, or I only had one dog at the time. My dog was out of town. Makes it sound like my dog was on his like, own vacation. He was, <laughs> yeah. My dog was vacationing. <laughs> my dog was in Saigon. And no, he was he was boarded because my job was so crazy at the time that it was just, if my husband was out of town, like I could not single parent um, this, this dog. <laughs> so yeah. I was all alone and it was just the best thing. And I just sat there for 15 minutes and I just kind of thought, you know, you, you have to get through this one night or it's just all over for you if you can't do this one night. And, and, you know, and then I just, um, I finally got up, I think like 10 minutes had passed. Oh my God. Um, you know, I wanted it to be that an hour had gone by and everything was fine. And, and then I just kind of just walked around my house. I had like one of those tall skinny houses, a lot of stairs. And I just kind of wandered around and looked at stuff. And, and eventually I, you know, I went to bed and I, um, the the biggest thing that had kept me from stopping, I think, was this fear of not being able to sleep without alcohol. Yeah. And it was huge. You know, it's funny. They always say it impedes sleep. But one thing I've noticed that I do that I think a lot of um, people, alcoholics or people who drink problematically, um, do is think that they're special somehow. So... It was like, I thought, well, that doesn't apply to me. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. my biology was completely different. So um, I I did sleep. I was actually exhausted by the time I went to bed. And like waking up the next morning and and just feeling like, it was almost like if you're having an operation or something and you're dreading it and then you wake up and you're like, oh, it's done. done. It's yeah. done. Yeah. yeah. I woke up and I was like, oh, you you did it. You actually did this. And then I immediately thought, oh, my God, how do I do it again? Yeah. I know. Yeah, you wrote, I just pulled up the article. The, uh-huh. um, this was like the, the sentences that made me reach out to you and contact you and ask you to be my friend. Um, you said, but the difference was that then I'd been trying to kill the want. And now I didn't give a fuck about the want. Now I only cared about killing the yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I remember when you reached out to me. It made me so happy. Um, so but it was so good. I, I am too. It was so good because I'd never, you said it so perfectly and in a way that I hadn't really, you know, killing the yes. Like you're yeah. not going to want to not, at least in my, I didn't, you're not going to want, you're not going to not want to drink you know, right. yeah. for a right. while. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that was what I, and I still don't know what, 
finally made me just come to terms with that. But but yeah, I wanted because I was so highly competent and, and could get a lot of things I wanted, I I really wanted to be like, oh, okay, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And and I just had to realize that it was going to suck, that it was at first going to be really hard. And I just had to use pure willpower. And 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 I didn't have faith. You know, I didn't have this faith that, oh, it's going to get better. I mean, oh, I, yeah, I, I, I had read a lot um, on blogs and things at that point by people who were like, oh, my life is so much better. But again, I thought, well, they must be special or I'm special, but we certainly don't have anything in common. Mm-hmm. Um, and those people can quit and have really great lives, but I'm just going to like probably quit and maybe not die, you know? Yeah. Quit and be um, like still miserable, but yeah, yeah, maybe even but, more miserable. Right. But, 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 but like virtuous or, I mean, I really did at the time think at least you'll know that you're you're not doing this anymore. Um, I didn't understand that like my life was going to be a ton more pleasurable without alcohol because I, I couldn't have been drinking since I was like 15 or 16. How could I, how could I? Yeah. I didn't have anything to compare it to. I mean, glamor I associated with drinking, you know, travel, you know, drink in the many corners of the world. And, um, I just uh, I just couldn't see it. So yeah, it really became about like gutting it out, and and I think that that's you know there's a part of me that thinks even you have to gut if you have to gut some things out, maybe it's a sign that you shouldn't be doing it. Um, like I don't know, I went I went um, what would you call it? it's not wall climbing? You know when you do like indoor. I think it is wall, called wall climbing. Wall climbing, okay. Rock climbing, but <laughs> rock wall climbing. climbing. I went. It was bouldering. I went bouldering last year because um, it sounded like it was closer to the ground than it it was, and um, and I had to kind of gut it out because it was really scary and hard. And I remember thinking, well, you know, you don't have to gut this out again. You could just say, you know, bouldering wasn't for me, um, but not drinking. You, I had to gut out, and and I think mm-hmm. it. It was so worth it, but um, but yeah, that was probably my pivotal moment when I realized that what I wanted was not, what I thought I wanted was not really that important. Uh, yeah. Can I stop you and go into? Because yeah. for me, Laura, um, it hit her in this way where she got it immediately. I don't know if I still like get it. When you say, yeah, killing the want versus killing the yes, can you talk about that and explain it and um, and explain it? Yeah, yeah. So what, <laughs> Sorry, can you explain that to me? <laughs> can you help me? I was so, I was giving in so easily to like, I would have this desire to drink. And I would think to myself, no, you should resist this. And then I would think, why are you, I, I thought, why are you punishing yourself? You had a hard day, you have a really hard job. Um, this is a wonderful art that the vintners practice. Um, you know, I would come up with all these reasons why to say no was actually to punish myself. And and I fact, was it wasn't it that the, if the want is there, like you you were waiting for the want to be to not to be gone. Yeah. I wanted the want to go away. So I tried, you know, therapy and acupuncture and like tons of yoga and on all this stuff, which is all great in and of itself, that just didn't kill the want. And and I think I was waiting, like I used to say, oh, once I dealt with my anxiety and depression, then I won't need to drink anymore. And I finally realized I had to actually 
stop drinking to deal with my anxiety and depression. It was kind of like that. Like I had to do the un, I had to actively say no to something that I wanted that mm-hmm. most people seem to be able to handle. It's not like, you know, saying no to heroin where like hardly anyone can handle that. It was like saying no to this thing that was a huge part of my social circle and my life and, um, and just trust, although I didn't trust just wait and see what happened. So I had to kind of flip it on its head, I guess. Um, yeah. I, if, if I'd had some moment where, you know, I'd been threatened with losing my marriage or losing my driver's license or something, maybe that would have done it for me and I wouldn't have wanted to drink anymore. But I never had that moment. Yeah. I just had like this slow kind of like erosion of my whole soul, I guess. Does, does that help a little bit? Yeah, it does. And then when you, so, yeah. so I want to go in a little bit then on how, so you, so you did that without the, without the trust that it would get better and without the, um, and also without the, like you, you said it was, you didn't, it's not even that it would get better, but you, you said there was mm-hmm. this lack of optimism about what it would be like um, without yeah. it. How do you fucking do that, right? Like how, without the big bottom, yeah. without the big bottom, and then also without the like promise, how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I I still, I, you know, I think for me, it was almost this, this horrible fear that I wouldn't be able to do one night. And even though I had done, I had done nights here and there before, but it was, um, it almost was like proving something to myself. Mm. I thought that it would just be maybe the rest of my life I would be sad. Um, but I knew I wouldn't be any sadder than I had been because I was so, mm. I was, I just felt so horrible. I, and, and it really was just sort of like, I, I, I'm not that into astrology, but I am a Taurus and kind of a classic Taurus. Like I'm really, really stubborn. And I think I just decided I would dig in and, and, and give it, I think at the time I said I was going to give it a week. Yeah. I, I thought my, my husband was out of town. I was, he was going to be gone a week. And I thought a week is left enough time for me to be alone with myself. Um, I was like, it'll be one of every weekday <laughs> and, and just yeah. see what this is like. <laughs> one of every, per- the personalities of every weekday. Which exactly. Is, yeah. They all have oh, their own really. special personality. Monday is different than Friday and Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and I get I that. Like, I totally get it. <laughs> And by the time he was back, um, one thing that happened with me was I went into this with no faith at all. And um, I think within a few days, like, it did not take very long for me to get a tiny bit of sea legs under me. And I was like, okay, this is, I've done this for three days. I've never done this for three days before. Um, You know, let me see if I can do a fourth. And by the time he got back, it had been a week. And I had found... um, I actually already found Belle's Tired of Thinking About Drinking website with her 100-day challenge. And I had decided that I would um, sign up for the challenge, that I would would pledge to do 100 days. Like in that week you had decided? Yeah, I think probably a day or so before he got back, I thought, I can do this for 100 days. I did not think I could do it for 100 days. I remember I I met her here in Seattle a Cup about a month or so ago, and I remember telling her that when I signed when I signed up for that, I felt like I was signing my entire life away. It, it seemed impossible that yeah. that I could go that far that long without drinking. Were you and nervous yet for your husband to come home? I was. I I was. Um, 
it was interesting. He was a drinker too, and he's actually sober now also. He's coming up on three years. And um, I was nervous because he was so supportive of me. He'd be supportive of whatever I wanted to do, but he was also, I look back and see now that, you know, he was an enabler, um, mm-hmm. partly probably because of his own drinking. You know, he, mm-hmm. he was like, you, you, maybe you need to cut back a little bit, but oh my gosh, you're so hard on yourself. And I, and I do think it was that. I think that I was so hard on myself, and I still am in a lot of ways, that I was so hard on myself that it was easy for people to go, oh, here's just one more way she's trying to be perfect. Oh my God. You don't know how many women have said that to us. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I can believe it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I'm glad you said that just like that, because I think it's something it's big, you know, like, Oh, this is just another, like one of your perfectionist tendencies or something. Yeah. And it's that, it actually played into when I wrote the, the Anjali essay, it, I realized and I don't, I might, if I expand the essay for my book, I might talk about this more, but I thought of drinking as like a rebellion against that, that idea that I had to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, I thought of it as a, like a feminist act almost that, well, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll do this job and I'll suck it up and I'll eat perfectly and I'll exercise and I'll have a great house, but fuck you, I'm going to drink. But isn't it also not even just a fuck you to it, but it's also like the only escape from it. I mean, for me, oh, yeah. it was the only time and that's why quitting pot was so hard because I, so yeah. I, when I, I kept smoking pot after I quit drinking for about nine months and it right. was the only thing that would turn me off without guilt. Right. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With pot. And I was never much into pot, but at least then it's like, well, there's no calories. There's, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was like, <laughs> it really felt like the only thing, it was the main way I could, I could shut things down because it's like, you're literally chemically changing how your brain is processing information um or something like that um but yeah and so i am i really did think of it as this perfectionist as as a way of this is my vice this is my way of not being a perfectionist which is is you know great if you're a normal drinker but like if you're drinking a bottle of wine a night like you need a different vice there's a lot in the world (laughs) you can pick another one um and so i was worried that I knew he wasn't going to try to get me to drink or, you know, this, these things you hear about people sabotaging their, their partners. But I, um, I didn't want him like watching me too closely. Mm-hmm. In case and, you your mind or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I wanted that kind of autonomy and I, and that's why I kind of wanted to get some time under a few days under my belt first. And I, <clears throat> I also didn't, um, I didn't want him minimizing because he'd minimized in the past because I encouraged him to minimize it. Yeah. And, um, and so I just, I think he came home and I just sort of said later, Oh, by the way, I'm like five, six days sober or something. And, and he was just like, that's fantastic because he knew that it was important to me. Yeah. And, um, that's awesome. yeah. And he kept drinking for a while. I think he stopped drinking at home. He'd go out for, you know, for drinks with friends or something, but, um, it was really kind of the end of the road for both of us. I, I think he had the same sort of feelings that I did about like, this is not the the way I want to really live my life. And I think he was completely done within a few months. And, and now neither one of us, you know, we, we talk about this sometimes can imagine going back because things are just, it's just so much better like this. Yeah. I, um, wanna, I have so much to ask you about. Like, yeah. Your, so, so first, 
what I want you to talk about what you did in your social circles, because I know a lot of people that have, like my story was much different. There were a lot of people mm-hmm. who were like, you should never be drinking, you know, and, and all uh, the right. people around me would not drink with me anymore. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how, but you're that, you know, that wasn't your story and it's not a lot of people's story. Right. Um, it, which I think adds, it's adds something to it. I mean, not everybody, a lot of people, you know, still wanted to drink with me, like work people and stuff. I had like lots of different departments of people that would think different things. But so I did deal with that a little bit, but how did you deal with the social stuff and your friends? And like, how has that changed for you and your husband too? Yeah, it was, um, I, I definitely didn't have, I don't think people knew that I drank as much as I did because I would kind of control it in public and I did more of my drinking at home afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was, it was awkward. I mean, I kind of went into hibernation for probably at least a month, um, where I, and I was never a big, like go out person anyway. I'm kind of an introvert and kind of a homebody. So I, I basically just kind of just just sucked myself back into my house and hung out here. A couple times people would say, oh, let's grab a drink. You know, maybe someone at work, we had something to talk about. And so let's just grab a drink and talk about it. And, and I would go along because I, I was okay being in a bar. And I look back and I think like, maybe, maybe you shouldn't have been in a bar, but, but it felt all right. And I would just sort of say, oh, I decided I'm doing this, this online challenge to quit drinking for a hundred days. Um, it's almost like I'm doing the, you know, the, the, the 30 second plank challenge or something. Yeah, or the whole 30. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's always something that's not too revealing. You could, and actually I think it's good advice for people like there's, if you don't want to say like, oh, I felt like I was dying inside. <laughs> so I quit drinking. <laughs> you, you can totally lie. You can just be like, oh, I saw this thing in self magazine and I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, Maybe don't be that specific about the magazine. Um, but <laughs> they're like, very general. Yeah, can I see the can I see the article? No. no it doesn't exist. But I would um so I told you know, I told most people something like that. And then I told um a couple of close friends. I just said, Yeah, I'm just taking a break and, and they got it. Um I did have to go. I remember about I've been sober for three weeks or something like that. And I had to go to this huge social event for work. And I worked with in publishing at the time. So I worked with a lot of authors um, who they, they like to drink, (laughs) Mm -hmm. especially, especially when they're on like nice junkets, you know, this is a big party sort of thing. And I was sitting at this table and I just looked around and people were just lit. I mean, it was a long party and people were drunk. And I was chatting with the guy next to me. He was an author and um, he was drinking water. And and somehow it, I just took a chance and I said something like, oh, you know, I don't know how I, it came up, but I mentioned that I was, I was, you know, 30 or 40 days sober or, so, or something. And he said, you know, I'm 16 years sober. And yeah. And there's, and I just don't ever see any, I just, there's no reason to drink. And I felt like, you know, he'd been put next to me for a reason. He was just such a nice man and just such a, we didn't have that much in common, but, but it suddenly we did. And, and I started opening up to him a little bit, you know, about like, okay, you know, just to let him know that I, I wasn't just doing this on a whim. And, um, I will just never forget that conversation. And I think we were maybe the only two sober people at the party. But um, isn't that the best, though? There's always yeah. people like, like Holly has someone like that. Like I have it, it 
once I, there are angels that show up for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah I yeah. really felt like he was an angel. It was all I could do not to just like grab onto him. <laughs> I know. Um, and, and it was also interesting to see at that party just how, what people are like when they're drunk. And I thought, oh, oh I my know. God. I was like, I, I was it's like that. So bad. Yeah. I yeah. know. Bad. But I definitely kind of shrunk for a while. And, and I would say that my social life has never gotten back to the way it was before. Like, we don't entertain at home any, very much anymore. We never did a ton. But but I still haven't figured out, like, the things about, like, well, do I want to serve wine in my house? Am I okay with other people bringing it? I haven't mm-hmm. decided. Yeah. Um, and, and I just, I mean, we did once. We had some relatives over. And I thought, well, that's fine. If they want to have wine, I'm not going to say no, you can't. Um, but I feel like there's time to figure it out, but also that I do want to figure it out at some point. Yeah. Um, I got so wrapped up in writing a year after I quit drinking that I don't have a social life anymore anyway. Thank God. So, yeah, it's been, like, <laughs> it's been God. convenient. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so yeah. I, I, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go. Oh, I was going to say, it's just most of my friends, I was very lucky. I really didn't have people who very few people who were like what you're not fun anymore you don't want to you know my friends have been you know anything from oh okay cool you know like they just don't care to just wonderful um I was I was very lucky yeah you are yeah experience varies for sure it does Um, so I so I want to get to the the like writer that you are and how that started to come back to you and like where you're going now and the, uh, how do you say it? We've been like Anjoli, but that's Anjoli. 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 Yeah. Anjoli. I'm like Anjoli. <laughs> I just it's embedded in my brain because yeah. of the um, because of the commercials. Yeah. I, I never saw the commercial. I it was the first like time that I've ever heard of Anjali. And then I heard yeah. about it again somewhere else in a totally different thread after that. So Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I, I think they still make it. I've been meaning really? to try and find it. You should. I'm gonna smell oh, you it. Have yeah. to. You need to wear it. I know. I'm uh. kind of insulted that they didn't send me like a case of it. Then I thought, well, maybe they'll sue me. <laughs> How dare you associate our brand with (laughs) (laughs) like that? Yeah. 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 Your writing is I um I drool over your writing and 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 also (laughs) I love what you what you write because it's so okay. Can I say it's so bitchy and it's like everything. It's so snarky and, and in the best way. And it's everything I want to say, but I'm like, oh, I can't say that. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. Your voice is really distinct. Is that like, I want, like, answer Laura's question, but I'm also really, like, interested to hear, like, as you're telling it, like, how your voice developed. Because when you say, when you write pieces, I'm like, fuck yes. Like, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> somebody like somebody commented on one of your posts, the one about mm-hmm. judging like the yoga journal one. And they were yeah. like, the last time I checked, judgment and yoga weren't like the same thing. And oh. I was like, oh, yeah, let's <laughs> pretend. Let's all pretend we don't judge. At least she's saying exactly. it. <laughs> we're right, all right. judgy. Um, anyway. I know. Yeah. I forgot about that yoga journal thing. Oh, my God. That was hilarious. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was that, that, awesome. That, that, <laughs> that photo 
the basset hound. It wrote itself. I mean, there was a fucking basset hound in that photo. <laughs> and yes. her leg that was like her legs. not re- uh, on the right side. Yeah. That something was wrong with that photo. That I was like, I was like, it wasn't. Yeah. Oh, that was awesome. Claire had small face. <laughs> Yeah, we had a good time with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I wish they would do some more of those. Come on, Yoga Journal and Saki people. Um, Well, I had, um, so I was a fiction writer primarily. And when I started writing again, I, I started writing a short story. I should go back and find the text. I don't think anything ever came of it. Um, I never finished it. But I just one day I just thought, oh, I guess I'll just see. I had a line in my head and I just sat down in a cafe and I wrote a page. And that was huge for me. Like I'm not I'm not a fast writer even now, but I in the past I really wasn't a fast writer. I mean I could agonize over a, a line for hours. Yeah. And I thought I was like, huh, well that's that's cool. I, uh, maybe I'll do that again sometime. And I it was important to me that I not I, I had this instinct that I couldn't just fling myself back in and make it like my job yeah. um, because it would be become another should. And I think shoulds uh, kind of uh, had thinking, saying I should constantly really kind of led me down the path of, of drinking. Yeah. And so I would just kind of creep back to it. And every, I think every Sunday or Saturday, I would try to spend an hour or two and I would always go someplace, have a good cup of coffee and usually something like sugary to eat and just do a little writing. And it just like almost like well like the Anjali virus. It was almost like a virus. Like it just embedded itself in me mm-hmm. again. And I thought, oh, I remember how to do this. Um, I'm getting this muscle back. And I was blogging too, you know. So that was that was another yeah, part. Did I started you start to- off dry. Is that when you started? it? Yeah, I had started off dry before. I started it when I'd been sober maybe a month or so. But I just didn't think of that as writing in the same. I wasn't trying to be as artful about it. Yeah. Um, and that's when with the blog, too, I started to write almost more like mini essays. I was starting to shape them and develop my voice. And and it's almost just like, you know, they say it's like riding a bike. It's, it kind of was like riding a bike. But, you know, you don't you also don't ride a bike all that well when you first haven't ridden in a while. Like I rode a bike in Mexico last year and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember how to do this. But like. it's not going very well you know I'm kind of scared and the roads are really bumpy and um so yeah it was really clunky but it just felt that was when that was the moment when I felt like I was really coming back to life I was really happy at that point to be a year sober um I didn't I had no regrets I was thrilled but I was like okay this is you're starting to become yourself again Mm. and and it was just this unthawing process yeah. And I also had the sense that that was the right timing, that I couldn't have done it any sooner, mm-hmm. that I had to have just this year of just living and learn and reading a lot more again. I mean, that had a lot to do with it because reading always sparks writing for me. Did you um, lose or- your ability to read like with your drinking in some ways? <laughs> In some ways, I mean, I, I think I still probably read a lot more than the average person. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would try to not have a drink until I was done reading for the night because I would just kind of not do it. Yeah. I, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I would read the yeah. same page over and over or something. Yeah. Um, especially cause I tend to read, you know, relatively ambitious stuff, I guess. So yeah. you have to pay attention. Yeah. Um, so I just started writing and then I, you know, it's funny when I, I, the first 
thing I published as an essay was this thing called Girls Skulks into a Room, which is about my mm-hmm. one and so far only so AA good. meeting. And that was a blog post. <laughs> and it's then, so good. <laughs> it was so much fun writing that. And when I turned it into an essay, I remember um, I thought, I said to my husband, I was like, you know, it feels weird because I'm just not an essayist. And in that moment, I remembered that when I was in my MFA program, there was this big award called the Hopwood Award that they give at the University of Michigan. And I won it my second year, and it was for an essay. It was not for my fiction. (laughs) But I'm not an essay writer. Right, right. And I was like, oh, wait. I was like, oh, you know, I guess I, I was an essay writer. I can't, I need to find that essay. I should email them and see if they have a copy or something. Because I'm just curious. I'm like, what did I say um, when I was 24? I know I was really influenced by French feminism at the time. And it's very like nonlinear. And I'm just curious to know what, what that girl was thinking about. But because um, it's probably it might seem kind of funny now. But I am. Um, so I started, you know, I published that and that got what I thought was a huge response on on medium. I mean, yeah. it was for yeah. the time. And yeah. that kind of gave me the confidence to go on. That's also when the woman who, who was my agent and then became my, my editor, someone I've known for many years reached out to me and she said, I'm, I'm not even halfway done reading this. And I, I'd stop to text you and tell you this needs to be a book. And I was like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I was like, God, Daphne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and she's the one who, so that's kind of what started the ball rolling on, on the doing a whole collection of essays that she was like, how long ago is that? Like, that was about a year. That was just over a year ago. Yeah. Um, and she had been working. I mean, she's someone who had worked in books for her entire career. Um, we'd worked together in publishing. I was like, well, it's not like she doesn't know what she's talking about, you know, but, um, I just even thought, do I want to do I want to spend all this time thinking about drinking and my past? Um, I wasn't sure I was up for it. And so yep. we kind of waited in and the idea was she was representing me. And the idea was we would have enough material together to, um, you know, put together a good package for, for a publisher. And, um, so I put myself on a schedule more or less of doing like an essay a month ish. Okay four to six weeks we'd meet she's a fantastic reader and editor we'd work on it um and then sort of and and i've been writing a novel for two years um also in parallel really there's there's also my novel which i love i love my novel and i can't wait to get back to it i'm now that i'm writing this essay book i'm kind of you know as a practical matter i've set it aside for a little bit but um but so we worked on these essays and then i think around gosh, probably toward the beginning of summer, she actually took a job as an executive editor for our Strauss and Giroux. Yeah. I remember our texts and you were like, yeah, freaking out. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if this is good or bad. Yeah. um, uh, I think I might've lost my agent, but maybe an editor (laughs) at a major publishing house. I don't know. (laughs) I was so freaking out. And, and she was like, and I was like, are you going to abandon me? And she was like, when have I done that? We've known each other for 10 years. And I was like, I don't know. There's always a first time. And, and she was like, I mean, they're going to buy you or sell you. You know, she was committed to, I'm not just going to be like, well, bye. See ya. And, mm-hmm. uh, but the, you know, they're, they're starting a new imprint there. And it was, they took them some time to think like, what did they want their imprint to be? Will it have nonfiction at all? Blah, blah, blah. Um, but then, yeah, right around the time that I published Anjali, um, that was kind of when it was starting to come together. And, I had a meeting with her, I think it was the week after it published. And, you know, we sat down and she said, Did she know you were going to publish that? 
Um, I told her I was going to. Yeah. Okay. And um, and I kind of just said, hey, you know, because we talked carefully about, you know, well, it's not published too much, but here and there, you know, while we're getting this together. And part of me was like, I felt like I was, I mean, writers are the most impatient people in the world with, uh, with other people. We're patient with ourselves, I think. But I was like, well, I kind of want, I kind of wish this was moving a little faster. And I thought, well, maybe this will, you know, you're always like, it's my agent going to get really just more interested in someone else than me or too distracted. And I thought maybe this will move things along. And I I had no idea, um, you know, how big it was going to be. But um, so she did know, and she was out of town. She came back and we met and she said, you know, we sat down and after the usual, like chit chat about each other's nail, nail polish color and stuff, she said, um, so, you know, we would love for you to be part of the Ferrar Strauss family. And I just burst what? into tears. Oh, God. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I just started crying. <laughs> and, um, and she sat there and let me finish crying. And um, were and you on was, the phone? Were you looking at each other? No, I need we were to looking at each other. Yeah, we were at a local, we were at a coffee shop about a mile from here. She, oh we both God. live in Seattle. Oh, okay. And, she lives there. I thought she was. Yeah. There. Yeah. No, she worked it out so she can stay here. And, and I think she just travels. You know, you can sort of do this stuff from anywhere now, which is great. Um, and, um, and it was just, you know, and we sort of talked about the, you know, like, here's how it would work. And when we think we'd publish and, and all this. And, and because we both had worked in publishing, you know, we got really into like cover details really quickly. Yeah. And, you know, um, and I remember leaving and my husband was out of town again. And um, <laughs> I, I walked outside to my car and I just felt, even though by that point I knew you know, it wasn't like I knew for sure it was going to happen with that publishing house, but I was getting inundated by agents and editors. And, and I was like, well, clearly because of the essay, because yeah, of the, yeah, the yeah. Essay. it was like the floodgates open. And, um, and I thought, well, something, you know, it was clear to me, I was going to pu- publish a book with someone somewhere, but, but if I had had a conversation with another friend six months before where, you know, he had said, well, who would you want to publish with? And I was like, well, duh. I mean, Farrar, Strauss, and Giroux, like, that's any literary writer in the country would, you know, want that. And, um, and so the fact that it was actually happening, and at this age when I thought it was all over for me, I mean, just yeah. because I had, I had drifted away, I had thought if I wasn't famous by the age of 25 or 30 max, that it was over. I'm 46, you know, and I, and I had just started writing again two years ago. And it's a crapshoot. The thing is, it is not like I'm not diminishing my talent or my hard work to say that there's a way that this could never have happened. Mm -hmm. It is a lottery. And there's way more good work out there than gets published. And so mm-hmm. I I just kind of walked around. I went to Sephora, actually. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to do. do the same thing. <laughs> I yeah, do. I was like, I don't know what to do. So I went to Sephora. I just started putting stuff in a basket. You know? mm-hmm. and, um, and, and I was trying to call my husband. And I was I texted him and I called him. And, and um, then he called me crying. Um, oh, he was, God. Yeah. I think he cried yeah. more than I did. He was so happy for me. <laughs> and um, and I came home and I started, um, and I don't know if you guys, I think you've seen pictures of my house, but it's, my living room's lined with bookshelves. And I started pulling off Farrar Strauss books from the shelf, just so I would look for the little insignia or imprimatur or whatever you call it. And and I made this little stack and it was like, you know, Joan Didion and Michael yeah. Cunningham. And, yeah, and when I, you put that, you posted that to Facebook, I was like, oh, that's yeah. when I had my meltdown that I wrote about. I yeah. Like, oh my God. I just Joan got there. Didion, I hate her. I hate I know. you. 
<laughs> I, think, I love you, but I hate you. Right. <laughs> she's, I, if it's any comfort, I think she's, that was like an old book, but um, I don't care. <laughs> I know. I, I just, I, and I just stared at it and I couldn't tell anyone like it's these things. It's so funny. Publishing is so slow. Mm-hmm. Like the con- the contract only took maybe 10 days to come. Um, and then I had to do my due diligence and everything. So I was doing it, you know, without an agent at this point. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it, it was probably a month before I was able to actually announce it. You know, I mean, I told my husband, I think I told my best friend, but, um, and it was just killing me. It was just absolutely killing me to be like, Ugh. it would be like if you got engaged and you couldn't tell anyone or something, yeah. you know, yeah. it felt like that moment. I remember saying it felt like the day that I got engaged to my husband, I walked around feeling like this whole future just opened. And, and that's what this felt like. Um, and it still feels like that, honestly. I'm like, yeah. I'm sitting here going, oh, my God. There were times, I mean, there are times now I'm back in the slog that I'm trying to actually write the book. Writing is still hard. Um, you know, I have all my worries and fears that I like to tote around with me. But but it's, I just feel so lucky. Oh, there is one thing, though, is I immediately became convinced that I would probably die before the book ever came out. <laughs> yeah, or that publishing would stop. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Is the industry going to stop? I mean, no books will be printed. The world ends. Right. The world ends. (laughs) I mean, I really did become seized with with all these things of like, well, wait a minute. You know, what if like my head gets cut off, or what if the world ends, or what if the the publishing industry falls apart? And and I'm you know like right now they seem silly. In an hour, those fears might not seem silly again. Um, There is. I've always funny how that happens when you really want something so bad. Third. I mean, I felt that way when I was about to quit my job. I thought yeah. the phones were going to stop working. The banks <laughs> would stop working. I wouldn't be able to get money. Like all these institutions, you know, like, like the world right. was going to fall apart basically, but it was real. Like I didn't sleep for oh, a yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this feeling that like something truly catastrophic is going to happen. And, and it can't because everything is about my book. You know? like, <laughs> <Yeah>. I, <laughs> what about me? But I was really freaked out and I still kind of, I mean, like half my therapy sessions now are like, well, what if I die? Well, what if I, you know, and she's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. She's just like, I don't know. Just, I don't know what to tell you, Christy. Like, <laughs> you might, you probably won't, you know. Yeah. But it is that, like, um, so one of my favorite movies is Bowfinger, the Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy thing. And <laughs> and Eddie Murphy plays twins in it. And one of them is this, this movie star who's incredibly paranoid. And he's in this cult that's kind of like Scientology. And one of the things they make him repeat is there is no giant foot trying to squash me. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and I think he literally thinks it's a giant foot, but I, I, it's like my mantra that yeah. I'm, there's no giant foot trying to squash you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I just don't quite believe it. <laughs> I know. I know. No, what? So tell us about the, about, uh, sorry, Holly, mm-hmm. I'll let you go, but don't tell us about the book. Like I want to know yeah. like, the name of it and when it's coming out and what it is. Like, is it about, is it essays all about sobriety? Is that just one essay of many? What is the deal? Yeah, it is. It is a book of essays. That's all in some way about like drinking or sobriety. So it's, it's not a memoir, you know, it's not a narrative memoir, but it's kind of a, almost a memoir in essay form. I mm-hmm. think of it as if you were to look at just different angles of this topic, um, it's called, well, tentatively, it's called Want Not, which is now the essay of essay. the title of my, yeah, my Sobriety Otter essay. I was like, maybe I should call it something different. Um, although Sobriety Otter is probably better for search optimization, uh, and, and, um, which is always the most important thing. And 
You can tell you work at an internet company. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I was like, SEO, huh? But, and, and actually what we realized is that there actually is a novel out there called Want Not. My husband read it a few years ago and loved it. And my editor was meeting with an agent when she happened to see it on his shelf over his shoulder and she was like, fuck, you know, because it's always nice to have a, a title that isn't already out there. But so it may yeah. change. Um, yeah. But I'm pretty, I wasn't that into this title, but then she was really into it. So now I'm really into it. And now there's another book out there. I don't know. Mostly I'm just very resentful of that author for <laughs> writing his book sooner than mine and calling it Why Not. Um, mm-hmm. But it's all about drunkenness and sobriety. But really, I think it's like that thing about about wanting and not wanting. Um, I have an artist friend, Deborah Baxter, who's just amazing. And she had a, an exhibition and a book she wrote that to go along with it called um wanting is better than having. Mm-hmm. And I love that phrase. And I don't know if I agree with it because sometimes I think wanting is awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but then not wanting is not really an option either. Right? Um, right. And so at heart, I feel like my drinking and my sobriety are about wanting and not wanting. And so that's kind of what the essays are about too. Um, yeah. And it's really about, I mean, there, there's a lot of humor in them. I think it's fairly scathing. Um, I, well, you, yeah, like Holly said, you are, I mean, that's what I loved about your writing so much is that mm-hmm. you're, you are like funny, funny, funny. Like I literally read this. I had never read anything of yours. I read the sobriety otter post mm-hmm. or whatnot. Um, <laughs> and I was like halfway through and I'm like, I immediately need to find you on Facebook and friend mm-hmm. you and send you a message. <laughs> and, um, and I don't, I've never really done that with other writers that I can think of. Um, mm-hmm. And then you and called was, me afterwards. Oh, and then I called you cause we, oh. you were like, Oh, Hey, I'm so glad. Let's be friends. I like your yes. so, you. Yes. You about her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I called Holly and I was like, I just made a friend. That is you, and you've got to read this essay. And she told yeah. me that, yeah, it was really great. It was cute. Oh, well I am, I guess I've always used humor. I mean, humor is just sort of my way of seeing things. Um, like I've always found things that are funny uh, which is probably how I got through like a lot of my childhood because I always thought something was funny and it was like well you might as well stick around to see if something else might be funny at some point um and and um and I guess I'm also something about being sober has made me like I definitely have a tendency to be self-deprecating like there's sort of a self-deprecating wit but I don't want Something about sobriety has made me less self-deprecating and more likely to deprecate others. No, I don't really mean that, but (laughs) to call it it like I see it, I suppose. And and I guess a little less in need of being liked by everyone, which is is handy for me. Well, it's not, you don't give as many fucks. I mean, that's just what it is. You like stop giving as many fucks. Um, And it's, I just don't care. I mean, I I do. Yeah. Like when, when people, especially women were like, Oh shit, boy, what a, she's mean. What a mean, mean lady. I mean, that, that was hard. I mean, I, you know, I don't want, I'm not actually, you know, meaner than your average person. I don't think you just speak um, the mean thoughts that we all have secretly and pretend we don't have. Yeah. And, and I, um, (laughs) 
And, and there's also this thing that, you know, when you write an essay, like, that's not the truth. You know, an essay, it's nonfiction, but it's crafted. It's it's showing a, a part of yourself in a deliberate way with things left out and things put in. And um, But, yeah, I just kind of don't care. It just makes me able to sort of use my voice, um, which happens to be fairly blunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and the writing is better that way. I mean, ultimately, yep. I'm died in the wool writer. The writing's better that way. So that's what I'm going to do. And if it, if there are consequences, um, I will deal with them or I will make a choice that at times that, okay, I'm not going to be as blunt here because I don't want to deal with the consequences. I mean, there's stuff yeah. I haven't written about because I don't want to deal with the, the fallout of my own life. Um, right. I might change my mind someday. Um, but yeah, it's all about the work. And, um, but it, it was kind of tough when, I think some of the blowback from from women was was yeah. not what I had expected, but, yeah. but it was it was tough. Yeah, I want to talk about that. So let's talk about Anjali. All right, so that that essay. There's so many different parts of it that I think are really important to highlight. One of my favorite parts of it is when you're talking about what that we what we think we need um, in order to the al- the the fact that we think alcohol gives us an edge. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff to it. But like one of my favorite parts is this when you say that's the summer I realized that everyone around me is tanked, <laughs> which is true. <laughs> but it also yeah. dawns on me that the women are super double tanked. That to be a mm-hmm. modern, urbane woman means to be a serious drinker. This isn't a new idea. Just ask the Sex in the City girls or the flappers. A woman with mm-hmm. a single malt scotch is bold and discerning and might fire you from her life if you fuck with her. Best line in the entire essay. A woman... <laughs> With a PBR is a cool girl who will not be shamed for belching. A woman drinking mommy juice wine is saying she's more than the unpaid labor she gave birth to. The things women drink are signifiers for free time and self-care and conversation. You know, luxuries we can't afford. How did you not see this before? I ask myself. You are too hammered. I answer back. That summer I see, though, I see that booze is the oil in our motors, the thing that keeps us purring when we should be making other kinds of noise. I think that, like, for me was, I mean, there's so many fuck yas in this whole entire essay, Mm -hmm. but it's so... So, so true. And you encapsulate in this not only what it's like to be a woman and not only what it's mm-hmm. like to be a woman in our modern age, but also um, how we use alcohol, not just to survive, but also to claim mm-hmm. a space. It's so, so much to us. But I'm, I want you to talk a couple things about this essay. First mm-hmm. of all, I'm interested to hear about what, like, just for you to tell the readers who haven't read it, like, what the reason that you wrote it and what the point was behind Mm -hmm. it. Um, And then the second thing I really want to hear about the biggest, like, the feedback that you got from women and what was most surprising about it. Because, like, there was an op-ed taken out. Like, there there were actual literary pieces written in response to this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, oh yes. Well, the, the reason I wrote it, um, I guess part of it was I started just collecting these ideas in my mind when I first got sober, because it's kind of like when you step out of a system, you start to see the system. So, I mean, saying the matrix is awfully dramatic, but it did kind of feel like I'd step out of the matrix. So I started to notice like how much people around me were drinking. And at first I thought, well, are they drinking normally? And you just, it just looks like a lot because you're not drinking at all. And there were some cases where I was like, yeah, you're just, you're just really seeing this. But, but I did notice that like booze was everywhere, a lot of it. And that a lot of the women in the kind of the world I live in were, were consuming a, a bunch of it. So I started collecting these anecdotes and, and also cause a lot of them seem funny, you know, like just mm-hmm. the, the ways that 
the, the things people would attach booze to that just did not need booze attached to them at all. Right. Um, there's actually a well, one of the women yeah. in, our, in our protein <laughs> powder. Yeah, exactly. You know, there was this woman in our, our home group, I remember, who posted an ad for, it was a dog grooming workshop with wine. And yes. I was like, yeah. this is a terrible idea. Um, so I started collecting all that. And then I was meeting with, with Daphne, my editor, one day, back when she was still my agent. And she said, you know, I think we're almost ready with this package. But, you know, is there anything that you would want to write that sort of express like more of an angry tone? And I was like, huh, no. <laughs> and, I, and I was literally, I just thought, you know, I guess I'll, I'll think about it. And um, and I went and I sat down and, and this essay is what came out. And it was actually part of a larger essay that she read and said, you know, I think this is actually two pieces. And, and this is really about, um, this is its own thing. And somewhere in the middle of it, I remembered I mean this is why writing is kind of magical like somewhere in my brain that Anjali commercial came back which I had seen a thousand times as a kid and just loved and I was like fuck she it's her fault it's her fault this woman who wants us to think we can do everything and all the the dots started to connect to my mind I mean I think that a lot of writing for me is about pattern recognition and pattern making and um and so that's what came out, this thing that I did not know was going to be as angry as it turned out to be, um, mm-hmm. is absolutely impacted by kind of the political moment that we're in, not just with this particular election, but with this whole kind of just kind of open season on women that it's been in the last few years with yeah. the like hold the birth control between your knees and, and all that. Yeah. Um and things I had seen in, um, you know, working in tech in a very male environment. Yep. So it all kind of just came together um, in this, you know, like howl of <laughs> rage, I guess. Um, and it was very much meant to show what it was like. Like, I don't go around. I still notice this stuff everywhere. I don't feel as angry now. I'm extremely angry politically um, at, at the moment. I think everyone, wherever they yeah. stand on the spectrum, is pissed off right now. But but I am, um, you know, I don't walk around feeling like that anymore. I'm much more comfortable in my skin. But it was really, a, I wanted to show, like, when you're first out of a system, like, what is it like? And yeah. and how alienated you can feel and um, and how it, and how frustrating it can be to see. And this is where like some of that, that judginess and self-righteousness of the newly sober comes into play. Like, like why doesn't everyone just be like me? Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I figured it out. <laughs> um, yes. It's so easy. And, and, you know, that's dangerous because like, I, you know, I had a lot of resources, a lot of support, like my, my life is, is a lot easier than, than a lot of women's. Um, I don't even have to, I don't even have children that I have to like put before myself. Um, I, I, you know, I don't want to minimize like how hard the, my own difficulties, but like things are, things are okay. I'm doing okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was where it came from. And um, the, the reaction was amazing. I mean, I think it got, I put it on medium. It got, you know, um, the, the home circle and sort of the sober circle started sharing it immediately. Mm-hmm. It, um, I started to get, and then medium, I think picked it up. Um, they gave it like an editor's pick and, and that got it to lots and lots of people. I started to get hundreds of emails a day, mm-hmm. um, from all kinds of people. I would say the majority were from people who, uh, we're either just like, hey, I really enjoyed your article. Thanks. Just wanted to tell you. Bye. You know, to people who are sober, who wanted to tell me how much it meant to them. 
uh, people who said I'm now on day two or three of sobriety because I read this essay, yeah, um, awesome. which was overwhelming. Yeah, just incredible, men and women. Um, some men who said, um, hey, you know, I think I've been that guy in tech. Um, you give me something to think about, yeah. which is pretty cool. You know, they were That's like, awesome. oh, yeah, these were clearly, you know, not men who were like, I've been grabbing people's asses. It was just like, I've been thoughtlessly being like, or other things, hey, yeah. right, or other things, right? Oh, <laughs> wait, that's not somebody even... else. <laughs> right. Um, and it was like, and then, so there was an overwhelming majority of just wonderful outreach um, or people just being like, you know, I don't have a drinking problem at all, but this is really funny. Well, I really liked it, you know. Yeah. Um, and then there were the usual men who are convinced that feminism has ruined their entire life and you've now become the embodiment of, of that, you know. So, you know, it was suggested that I die. It was suggested that I am very ugly. You know, the usual yeah, stuff. Yeah, awesome. that I was like, awesome. this is ridiculous. Um, you're crazy. And, you're, yeah, you're or crazy. You're, you wrote a thing where you like listed all the adjectives that people used to describe you and it's basically like, all the adjectives. Yeah, you got exactly. everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually set up a Google filter um, to just take because I was like, I don't need I quickly was like, you could read all of these, but you probably shouldn't because mm-hmm. I think it's bad for your like I know those men are out there and and like they can just go and just do their little thing. Um, so I set up filters to just I wouldn't but weren't see there those. women. So there, there were women that were angry with it, too. Yes. And that were some. There were some very angry women. Um, there were some women who were just like downright abusive about it, like um, how they, they it was loathsome. Um, other women were, I would say the, the biggest issue women took was with the tone. Um, there were, well, yes. there were women who thought that I was saying that any woman who drinks at all is a tool of the patriarchy. You know, that sure. if you have a glass of wine mm, and, and yeah. you know, and my editor and I were so baffled by that. We actually went back through the piece with a fine tooth comb, not because I'm afraid of offending anyone, but because I thought, well, I didn't mean to say that. Yeah, so if I, I am, and we didn't find anything to edit. So we decided to just leave it. Um, there were women who thought I wasn't being supportive of women because I was telling women what to do. So I kind of get this. This is, it's a circular argument, but it's kind of like, well, aren't you just one more woman telling women they're doing something wrong? And I thought, I was like, well, I mean, I, I guess, I, I guess I kind of am. Um, but I'm still, I, I mean, I guess my response to that was, I'm still going to tell you yeah. what, How you know, what you I think. How can you not do that, though? You were, I don't, I felt like yeah. you were calling out a system more than you were calling out women. That was my intent, was it wasn't, you know, hey, women, just suck it up and, and don't, don't do what you think is making your life easier. It was like, we have a really sick system here. I mean, yeah. I am, um, but, but definitely there were some thoughtful women who, um, and some not so thoughtful women, but some thoughtful women who were like, I just feel like you are mean and you are blaming women um, for this problem. Um, there were some women who there was a piece in Slate that was actually kind of weird where she was like, well, why doesn't she why do men get a free pass here? And I was like, this Whoa, is the first wait, time in my entire <laughs> life anyone's accused me of giving women Men a free, free pass. pass. My husband was like, oh, my God. Um, and it was like, she was like, well, she should have written about, there was kind of a lot of that, like, why didn't you write about men's drinking, too? And I was um, like, well, because I am writing about men. Yeah. yeah. No, and I, I'm not really 
interested in men's drinking that well, much. I thought that one of the things that comes across sometimes, and I don't know if um, maybe, I don't know if you felt this, but I think sometimes women, I was talking to a friend who read Glennon's book and mm-hmm. she was mad at Glennon at the end of the book. And I was like, were you mad at her? Because she wouldn't forgive Craig. Were you mad mm-hmm. at her for being angry? And she was like, I was mad at her for being angry. And I think yeah. sometimes women are really hard on women for being angry. She was like, I just wanted her to forgive him. I just wanted her to do the thing. And sometimes we get yeah. people get angry at us for being unapologetically angry. Just be just be nice. Just be yeah. just stop being mean. And so I'm wondering if you felt any of that, because that's what I saw when when I read comments yeah. and feedbacks. There was definitely a lot of that. Women were um, were uncomfortable that I was angry. There was some like if you like being supportive seemed to equal um, approve of any of my choices um, that, you know, if, right. if, if I should say, well, I get why you're drinking so much. And boy, maybe just maybe at some point think about doing a little bit less of it. But they didn't want that kind of like you are playing into someone's hands here. Um, and and it did make people feel judged. Um, and there were some people where I was like, they would, the way they talked about drinking, I was like, okay, you know, you're, you're talking around something in your own life. But, but yeah, there were other people who were like, you know, I drink maybe twice a week, a glass or two of wine. And I feel like you're saying I shouldn't get to do that. And, um, and that you're mad at me for that. And, and I, and that I'm not a feminist. I think some women felt like I was saying they, they Mm. weren't feminists. And, and I think you decide if you're a feminist. Um, yeah. So I, I I just, yeah, it was hard. But the, the negative, the negative emotions, um, people definitely were kind of, I mean, again, a minority, but there was some, some judging about that. There was also some talk about um, privilege, um, that it sounded like I was, you know, financially stable, I'm white, I'm a professional. And, and what I had to say, and I did respond to a couple people about that was that that was a deliberate choice. Like, as I'm building a writing career, I want to be authentic. Um, that is who I am. Yeah. You know, I, I am not, I am not, um, a mom. I'm not, um, I, I am, a, I'm living a pretty privileged life. And I, I think about Joan Didion, you know, and like, she never mm-hmm. hit that stuff in her writing. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be, um, I'm like, I always say to my agent, my editor, I'm not trying to help people. I'm trying to be a great writer. Yeah. And you are, but that's how, only how you can be. Like, I, I mean, the, the, the thing that I think is just, this is going to happen because it was successful and it hit mm-hmm. a nerve, you know, oh, yeah. and like, you're going to get everything. Um, but I don't know that, that type of argument, like going to the feminism thing, I was just, the line I keep thinking of um, that resonated with me the most was when you talked about it says who said anything about fairness this isn't about what's fair it's about what we can afford when we can't afford this we can't afford to pretend it's fine that everything we do or think or wear or say say yes or no to is somehow wrong we can't afford to act like it's okay that girls can do anything got translated somewhere on the along the line to women must do everything we can't afford to live a lives We have to fool our own central nervous systems yes. into tolerating. Yeah, yeah. That for me was like, how there is no, I don't know anyone who can't feel that. 
Mm. Right, right. Like we just, we just can't. And it doesn't mean that we can change it all right away, but we can stop pretending that everything is fine. Um, And you have to start by like admitting to yourself that everything's not fine, which Mm. sucks. (laughs) Like, I don't want to do that either. Um, But yeah, and I did get a lot of great emails and, and contacts with women who were like, you know, I'm in a book club and like we all drink and like, yeah, we're not like this is not about drinking for us. But we talked about your essay because it was fascinating to us, you know, just thinking about like like lives as women, um, whether we have drinking problems or not, um, yeah. who just it's it's really hard. And, you know, the other fun thing that, that happened was I got a lot of letters from people who were just in other systems where people don't drink. I heard from Mormons. I heard from like mm. Muslims, people who just have never really had to drink their whole lives. Or this one woman who had been in, she'd been, she'd been brought up in some kind of religious sect that was pretty tight knit. And when she left the church, you know, just seeing like what secular life was like, I mean, it kind of resonated for people about this idea of getting outside of a system and being like, oh my God, you know, I had no idea it was like that, which, which was really, really cool. But, um, but yeah, I think that there was the sense that, I mean, I totally get it that, that when life is really hard, we want something to take the edge off. You know, I still have my things I do to take the edge off. Drinking and drugs are not one of them, Mm -hmm. um, illegal drugs. Um, and, you know, (laughs) And and I just, but I understand that that it, there's a sense of like, who is this chick to come along, and she wants to tell me that I'm part of the problem, and she's getting applauded for it. Like, well, fuck her. I don't, yeah. you know, like, yeah. who does she think she is? Um, and it's definitely made me. It was hard to write for a little bit after that. I made sure I started writing again right away because I was like, you can't. It would be like if you fall off a horse. You know, they say get back on the horse. I would not yeah. get back on the horse. I'd be like, yeah. I'm done with horses. But, um, but I, I, I had to get right back in there. Partly because I didn't want to be afraid of you know, the negative reactions, but also because the positive reactions were just as frightening to me. I um, get that. I get that. That's that. To be hearing from, you know, agents and editors after all these years and to have people say I'm sober because of this essay, um, I was like, I'm going to yeah. have a meltdown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a lot so of pressure. It's, it's like a lot yeah. of pressure. Yeah, the Liz Gilbert essay about like you can like either direction, tons of success yeah. or tons of failure is a scary place to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then of course there was the like, well, maybe this is the high point, which maybe yeah. it is. I don't know. You know, like maybe nobody will ever like anything I write again. I mean, every possible like way to twist this into a bad thing, I I took. I've explored them all. Um and, and I've ended up in a place where and I felt like I had to be extra super super double nice to people um, who I would meet online because in case they would think I was a bitch, like I was terrified of anyone thinking, bless you, that I was angry or humorless or, um, and now I'm kind of just relaxing a little bit because you can't just live, you can't like have that many personas. It was kind of like how I had my drinking persona and my other persona. I can't have, you know, like the woman who wrote Anjali and then the real me because they're the same person. Yeah. 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 You know, well, I for one cannot wait for your book and just for all the things that you're gonna do and write insulin and yeah. I can't wait for my. I'm hoping to finish the. The release date is for now. I mean, things change, but it's early winter 2018. Um, I have till 
the end of May to do a final manuscript. So my plan right now is to finish drafting. I'm probably about 60% of the way there. Finish the the rough content by um, the end of February, have a couple months to do deep revision. And then I really want to get back to my novel. Um, I'm hoping to find a home for that too. And uh, I miss it so much. You know, I miss... I don't always love like spending my entire day thinking about wanting and sobriety and drinking. I want to think about like fake people that I made up in my head. Um, (laughs) Oh my God. I feel you. I can't wait. (laughs) Oh, I just love, I love writing about the fake stuff and I'm talking to, um, I'm talking to agents about um, finding representation for that. And that's exciting because it means someone, you know, to work closely with me on that and, help me. I don't actually know how to write a novel. I mean, I have no idea what I'm doing. Essays I know how to do because you can see the end at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so so probably early winter 2018. Um, it's going to be so weird. It's going <laughs> to be, gonna be awesome. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. And are you yeah. still working full time? I am. I is am. that hard? I am. Crazy hard? Or is that like... Whatever. It's challenging. <laughs> I mean, it, what what I keep telling myself is I've got this far doing it. Yeah. Um. You know, I've been writing all along. At some point, probably something will have to shift. But um, I feel like this would be the worst time in my life to make a drastic change because things shifted. I mean, I can't tell you what a relief it was after I was away the week that things really blew up with Anjali and like Nico Case and Dahlia Lithwick and people were talking about it. Oh my god. And I was just freaking out and to come back to work and just be like, I know what I need to do. I know these people. I've known some of these people for 10 years. They were like, yeah. oh, are you famous Christy today or regular Christy? You know, they were sort of teasing me. It was an unbelievable relief. Um, and uh, and so, and they've been great to me and very understanding. Like I may do a sabbatical to finish the book and that's been you know, they've been wonderfully understanding. So yeah, I'm going to keep at it for now. Also, there's just not the kind of money involved in literary writing that people seem to think. <laughs> Everyone's right. been like, are you going to quit your job? And I've been like, no, because I like to have a home. Um, so yeah, for, for now, but it, it is a tough, I mean, it's a very intense industry that I work in. And um, we'll just have to see. I'm just trying to sort of feel it out. But stability right now is really, really good for me. And time constraints. Um, I don't always need, um, I think if I were to have eight hours a day to do nothing but write, like that could fall apart really, really fast. Yeah, I can tell you that it's harder. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're doing it now. Right, right. Yeah, it is different. Yeah, it's different. Anyway, it's not necessarily harder. It's easier in some ways, but it's just different. Yeah. Um, Okay, we this went almost two hours. Oh my god! Oh my no, god. It's an I'm hour sorry, and a half. Such a yapper. Hour, hour and a half. half. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was awesome. It I was so and, yeah. Yeah. I and, really enjoyed it. I love to talk about myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Yay! Well, we'll have you on again when. Um, when your book comes when out. When closer to the book comes out. Yeah. Yeah. I will do everything to promote it and love I'm having so you in my. In our, in our circles and yes, as a friend. so cool. I love your writing. I love, I love your writing. I, like, oh my god, you just you. like I feel like you say the things I want to say. Um, mm. That means a just, lot to me. It really, it really does oh, to god. have a community that that gets it. You know, that's um, it's like just to have anyone reading at all. Honestly, is is more than I ever expected. But especially people who are like they 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 get it. That's no. 
that's what it's all about. Uh, really. Yeah. It's so totally. no, it's so true. And I totally support yeah. you and I, I love it. Keep it coming. And your website is off. What is your website? Is it off dry? My blog is off dry. My I actually have a website that's just christycoulter.com. Okay. And there's links to all kinds of stuff I've written there, fiction and not just not just drunk stuff, sober stuff. <laughs> all kinds of things. All the things. All the things. Um, yeah. Well, this is so great. I'm so glad to know both of you. And, and we should talk on the phone like just normal people. <laughs> we will. <laughs> we will. We should be in person, too. Um, yes, I know. I was so sorry to miss Laura uh, last weekend. But um, Holly and I are on the same coast. Yeah. I know. You're in the I same what? Oh, same coast. Yeah, same yeah, coast. Yeah. 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 Coast. yeah. We'll meet same soon. Coast. I have a feeling yes. we'll meet the next year. It will happen. Okay. All right, my dear. All right. Have a wonderful weekend. Bye. Same. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Oh